0: Jonathan and I'm David and welcome to our podcast father to son building a Christian rock collection each episode we'll discuss a classic Christian rock album and decide if it merits a place in our rock collection
1: we have a series of rigorous tests performed today so let's get digging
0: Well, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. It's the day after Thanksgiving today, but you're probably listening to it on some other day, unless it's a year from now that you're listening to it, but you never know. Always possible. Sure. How you doing today, David? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Doing well. Uh, recovered from
1: eating yesterday? Yep, yep. Uh, a lot of the ingestion's gone down. Of course, all
0: all great food, but just too uh-huh. much of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Always, always. I uh, did have some for lunch and uh, made just as good of leftovers today as it as it made main dish yesterday.
1: Uh, turkey sandwiches are always one of my favorite parts of uh, the after effects of Thanksgiving.
0: Indeed, indeed. Well, we are tackling fireworks today, sightseeing at night, and uh, I have a lot of anticipation. I have owned this album since it first came out uh, more than 40 years ago, and it's been a favorite of mine. Absolutely love this album. I'm hoping that you love it too. So I guess we'll find out.
1: Uh, Yeah, you and the listeners will find out shortly.
0: All right. Well, our practice, just these few uh, episodes in, is to do some corrections and addendums and address some of those things that we might have left out or made mistakes on. So we're going to do that. I do want to point out that by the time this is posted, we will have a Facebook page, Father to Son, on Facebook, so encourage you to join that community and make comments there, and maybe we'll give you a shout-out. We make lots of mistakes, so there's certainly going to be more than we can ever approach or ever cover, but, you know, uh, be that as it may, we got a few for today. Our number one fan right now, or at least one of our number one (laughs) fans, would be uh, Annabelle Pollard, who... um, Uh, happens to be my daughter and your sister right and so um i think i mentioned before she is a professional vocalist and so she corrected my usage that uh the range when michael sings really high that he is singing in is a contra tenor range not a contra alto apparently contra alto is a an alto who sings low right and michael is a tenor who sings high so she did tell me not to feel too bad because she knows people with doctors of music who get that mixed up. So yeah. uh, my doctorate's not in music. So right. we're okay there. Um, another little correction that I found, um, I had mentioned that there was a bunch of tracks for this album and I, I looked it up afterwards, 32 tracks. So I overshot that by about <laughs> 80. Um, however, it was a digital recording. Okay. So then going back to the idea that maybe they had copy and pasted the background tracks, sure. that becomes m- much more easy to do uh-huh. in digital recording. Um, they did do it, but yeah. it, it's a lot harder to cut and paste and splice in sure. tape and so forth. So, And then, um, not really a correction, but an addition, uh, Annabelle also mentioned after listening to The Way at the end, we commented on his high singing and if he was in his full head voice, she said it definitely sounds like it. It is full head voice. She pointed out that for many men, it is hard for them to go from their chest voice to their head voice, and so they will revert to the falsetto. Right. And so it is quite uh, quite impressive that Michael has that ability to just so seamlessly move up that mm-hmm. octave. So, you know, we record a lot more than ends up on the the podcast. Last month, it was over two hours that we yeah. recorded. So cut off more than 30 minutes that means a lot of stuff ends up on the floor most of it you don't want to hear it's not worth your time but sometimes some things get left out that really should be part of it and david's going to address one of those now
1: yeah, so as we were talking about uh, history of the Striper and history of different um, band members, uh realized that we, we really didn't give uh, Perry Richardson his due share. Um, Perry has been with the band now for the last couple albums, and we really think he's pretty great. Mm. Um a lot is his reasons. a very solid bass player, uh, formerly of band Firehouse. But yeah, I just want to give a huge shout-out to Perry. I um, think he's really really holding down the groove. He's really become an integral part of the band. Um, there
0: is no doubt that he is now a member of yeah. Striper.
2: You mm-hmm,
1: know,
0: and, absolutely. Yeah, and, um, and we welcome him. I'm glad to have him. Yeah. Um, let's get into the archaeological dig for today and for right. fireworks, shall we? We shall. All right. Um, well, since this band's entire history existed well before you were uh-huh. ever born, right. uh, decades before you were born, I think uh-huh. I'll have to take the lead on this one. Yeah, Sounds about right. So Fireworks started out by as a vocal trio of okay. Marty McCall, Gwen Moore, and Gary Pig. Okay. And these three were session musicians sang backup um, for Amy Grant, for mm-hmm. you know other Christian musicians of the time. Sure. And um, they started kind of gigging around Nashville in coffee houses and so forth, and kind of, you know, wanted to go off and do their own thing. So they started out as a vocal band. Their first two albums were on Myrrh. Okay. And the primary focus was on the vocals. But sure. then there was, uh, you know, Marty himself is a piano player, a very good piano player. Um, and then they would add instruments to make it more of a band. But it yep. all really was focused on the vocals for the first two albums. Yeah. And um, Gwen Moore even sings lead on some songs. It's not all Marty, like mm-hmm. we hear later on. Uh, but, you know, over time, you, you, if you're a piano player and you want a little something, maybe you add a bass player. Sure. And then you go, you know what? It'd be nice to have a drummer. Uh-huh. And then you go, hey, we've got a drummer and a bass player. Why don't we add a guitar? You uh-huh. know? And so over time, it became more of a, of a band. Sure. And um, they went from Murr albums into MCA. Now, MCA in the 70s had a sub-label called MCA Songbird, and MCA Songbird was kind of a Christian subsidiary of MCA, and um, they were seeing the burgeoning Christian music scene and thought, hey, maybe we can make some money off this, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And the head of MCA Songbird was Chris Christian. Okay. Now, Chris Christian had had some involvement with, uh, fireworks right from the beginning. Chris Christian is a singer in his own right, very much kind of poppy adult contemporary. Okay. Um, but he was a, you know, a mover and shaker, if you will. Sure. Um, interestingly, uh, he would go on and start Home Sweet Home Records okay. which was the record label that the first couple White Hart albums were released on. okay I was going to okay. say
1: it sounded familiar yeah. but that makes sense
0: so the first album that they put out on MCA Songbird was Live Fireworks okay which is not that uncommon when you sign with a new label sometimes mm-hmm. the first thing they'll do is they'll put out a live album because it's right. kind of the easiest thing to do sure. you know the fastest way to kind of recoup some of that money and then yep. maybe you'll go into the studio and live fireworks is vastly different from the first two albums. Uh-huh. That now we clearly have a rock band. Right. Uh, the first two albums have some rock elements to it, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't necessarily call it you know rock albums, you know, they're rock songs within the albums. I think they're great albums.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think we'll probably, you know, if we keep doing this long enough, we'll probably circle probably back circle around. Back. Yeah. And then after Live Fireworks, they did this album called Up. Now, I'm going to talk okay. about the changes in the band's name here in just a minute. So, okay. But they did this, this album called Up, which is very poppy okay maybe one or two songs that you might call rock songs maybe okay light rock very different from the rest of their catalog and that album really has chris christian's influence all over it you know it's like that really sounds like his sort of production sure uh the sort of stuff that's gonna get played on christian radio at the time yeah um but not the kind of stuff i'm interested in by any means And then they did this last album, Sightseeing at Night, which is, of course, the focus of today. Right. And that was their final album as a band. Mm -hmm. And we're back to some really great rock. Mm -hmm. And I would say great production. Just a really solid record. But it it caps off this very strange five-album run of this band. And depending on what you like, what kind of music you like, what you're interested in. Different albums you might consider to be the high point of this band. Sure. You know, so some people might say that Shatter the Darkness, their second album, is their best album. So yep. we'll say Live Fireworks. Mm-hmm. I would probably would say Sightseeing at Night. Okay. You know? Um, I don't know anybody who says Up is their best album. Okay. But, you know, it's good singing. Mm-hmm. It's just... You, you can find it... Um, I'm trying to remember where I found it. You can find it on some different places and then listen to the songs, you okay. know. But anyways, other interesting thing about this band, the name of the band. Right. So the first album is Fireworks. Okay. Okay.
1: The name of the album
0: is Fireworks. The name of the album is Fireworks, the the album is Fireworks. and the band is Fireworks. band name is Fireworks. Okay. Second album is Shadow of the Darkness. Uh-huh. Fireworks featuring Marty McCall. Okay. Okay. Third album, Live Fireworks. Time. Right, fourth okay. album, Up, by Marty McCall and Fireworks. Okay. Fifth album, Fireworks, sightseeing at night. And so, is Marty McCall a member of Fireworks? <laughs> so, Marty McCall obviously was the talent. He was the vocal uh-huh. talent. He yeah. wrote almost all the songs. Sure. He was the piano player. Yeah. All these are piano-driven yeah. songs. But it's interesting. You have this variation. Yeah, would that have
1: been like a marketing thing? Like, okay, someone might not be likely to pick up a fireworks album. Oh, Marty McCall. Marty McCall. Marty
0: McCall was thought of as really an up-and-coming vocalist. Okay. So I think that was part of it. All right. People were saying this guy can flat-out sing. Sure. After this five-album run, Marty McCall would go on to form a group called First Call. Okay. And First Call was a vocal band, once mm-hmm. again. And um, what it was, was uh, two other backup singers that he knew, again, in the Nashville area. Right. And uh, didn't know for, for a number of years that the reason they were called First Call
2: yeah.
0: is because they were the first call right. when you needed backup singers. Mm-hmm. So they were considered to be the A+. plus, You right. know, the guys who could get it right every time first time
1: yeah one take you know they yeah. call them up okay we got one take to do this who can we call get them right here
0: yeah yeah so uh in great vocal band um i do have one of their albums i didn't get a lot of their stuff because vocal music wasn't really my thing but they were you know manhattan transfer just mm-hmm. excellent excellent vocals last word on this album before we move on to the geological study as i had mentioned they had been involved with chris christian uh, his involvement goes back to the first album. He was a se- session musician with them, played guitar on their first album. Right. But then when they moved to uh, Songbird, his influence got a little bit stronger. And you sure. can definitely hear it on Up. Okay. Um And I would say you can hear Chris Christian's influence on that first White Heart album, too.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is probably why I'm not overly fond of <laughs> the first White Heart album. Um, and uh, as a producer, I think he's a pretty heavy-handed producer. Yeah. So... What happened though was MCA, after a couple of years, kind of gave up on the Songbird idea. Okay. So, meanwhile, Chris Christian decided to start his own label, Home okay. Sweet Home Records, like right. we talked about. And so this album is released on MCA. Okay. The labels on, you know, on the album, etc., so uh-huh. just says MCA. Sure. There's a mention of MCA Songbird on the back, but um, and Chris Christian was not very involved. All right. And I think because of the sort of demise of this subsidiary label, they were kind of left to do what they wanted to in the studio. Okay. And um, so I've heard it said that this was really kind of, you know, their project, Marty's project, kind mm-hmm. of without any outside influence. Okay. Um, and to me, we got a great, great product because of it. Sure. Um, so... All right, let's get into the geological study. I'm going to let you go first, which won't be very long. Right. But um, and then I'll I'll follow up um, from there.
1: Yeah. So um, when I got my first car, my only method of listening to music was a cassette player, and so I, I inherited a bag of cassettes mm-hmm. uh, from you. Yes, yes, yes. And there was a fireworks cassette. <clears throat> I want to say it's live fireworks. I couldn't find it. And I can't verify that.
0: No, I'm pretty sure what you have there yeah. is a recording of the first two albums. One on oh, each okay. side. All right. Pretty sure that's what you have. Sure. Um, and because before I had those albums, I had recorded them from somebody else. <laughs> okay. So I'm pretty sure that's that's what you had listened sure. to. Sure.
1: So yeah, I mean, either way, it's been at least five years um, since I've listened to it. I certainly couldn't find it. Um, I remember liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember committing it to one of my favorite bands of all time, but it was within easy reach that I could put in in between, you know, different uh, sticks cassettes, and um, so yeah. My my personal history is with this album specifically. Yeah, less
0: than a month. Okay. So. <laughs> and interesting, you mentioned you listening to Sticks, and I would say that those first few albums would somewhat fit in well with, you know, putting in Sticks albums and then listening yep. to that because, you know, you have a lot of piano playing yes. and you have good vocals and Sticks is going to be a little harder, but, uh-huh. but not tremendously different.
1: No, that's so. one thing. We'll get into more of it later. We're definitely, um, the bands I might associate the most would be Styx and Servant, actually, okay. I think. Okay. For different reasons. All right. But very much that, yeah, guitars and piano and that,
0: just the instrumentation really sure. reminds me of that. All right. Uh, For me, this album was given to me. It was a birthday present (laughs) from my brother Keith. Keith's about eight years older than I am. And so uh, he was introducing me to a lot of music at this time when I was in my early teens. And uh, Fireworks was a favorite of his. Sure. Still is a favorite of his. Um, When he was in his band, First Love, Uh um, and we're definitely going to be doing that one at some point, their their album, Finn Ice. They were on tour and they got to open for fireworks. Um that was just a highlight of his professional musical career was to be on the same stage and um and then the other thing, and I haven't yet met, mentioned uh, your Uncle Ben, but right. um, this is a good time to bring him up. Okay. And definitely Striper was not the album to mention him on. So. Sure. <laughs> um, but he was a piano player and I was a guitar player. And so we were always looking for those bands where there was this crossover. Sure. You know, and we both had things that we loved about it. And about fireworks. And fireworks was one of them. Yeah. You know, so I had some really good piano playing, had some good guitar playing. Sure. So we enjoyed this together. And yeah. And I remember... Having this album, recording it to cassette so it could be portable, and Uh then going on a fishing trip and just listening to that cassette of this album over and over and over and over again. You know, um, whatever summer that was, summer of 82, 83, somewhere in there. For me, I started with fireworks at the end and then worked backwards. Sure. So had gotten live fireworks sometime when I was in in college and it was really similar to this album in some ways yeah. a little rougher you know a little more garage band kind yeah. of thing um and then heard the first two albums mm-hmm. and was like well this is pretty cool you know and then never did get up right um it's i just don't like it enough i'll yeah. get it at some point to collect to complete just to the it. collection yeah but um it's just to me it's it It's a real outlier in their catalog.
1: One of those, not necessarily going to make the collection worthy for everybody, but if you want to have a fireworks collection. If you want to have the full fireworks
0: collection. So I'll have to have it eventually. Anything else we want to add before we get into the strata analysis? I think we're ready to start digging. Okay. I did just realize we haven't talked about who played on this album, but I think we can talk about that as it comes along. Yeah. Definitely some good moments. We'll get there. Um, All right. Well, let's launch right into the first track, which is I've Got News For You.
1: This uh, it's just such a great album opener.
0: It's a fantastic. You know,
1: album. It, it's a it's such a fantastic day opener. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yes. I, I used to work at a library, and sometimes you know you're working earlier than you earlier than you might want to, but you know dusting and shelves and whatnot is plenty of time to put in headphones and listen. I can just imagine just waking up, waiting for the the sun to come up, and um, just setting you setting you in a good mood for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just such fun music to listen to, uh, and the chorus is so singable, um, that, you know, even if you're not necessarily following along with the verse, you, you hit back into that place that you can, you can sing along. It's really a lot of what, um, nowadays we like with worship music is, okay, you know, our verses might be really deep or interesting, but that chorus is going to be singable. It's got to be relatable. It's got to be memorable. Um, yeah, I think I think it really does that. I think the instruments just really complement that. It just gives it this feeling of uh, it's moving, it's upbeat, um,
0: and yeah, I, I just really like it. I think it's like, it's fun. Yeah, I think it's a great opener. Yeah. Uh, you know, definitely. At the, I would say at this point, this is a hard rock song. You know, yeah. Um, particularly with that really overdriven guitar. Yeah. You know, love and, that guitar tone, and the tone is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and we'll talk about, as we mentioned, the musicians as we go along. So Jerry Gaston is a guitar player, and Jerry played with Marty for a number of albums here. Um, and Jerry is not, you know, you're not going to have a lot of amazing leads, right, but his rhythm playing and his mm-hmm. note selection is just fantastic. Yeah, you know. And um, so I think it's just great having him you know right off the bat, hearing that yep. guitar. It's really gutsy guitar, really Mm full-throated, if you will. Another interesting thing for me, knowing kind of the history of Fireworks, is if Marty had written this song five years earlier, Uh that opening riff would have been on piano.
2: Hmm.
0: But this is where I see them really becoming a band, where he's willing to step back, and he's just doing these punctuated notes, right? Probably an octave hit on the piano. And what's really driving it is the guitar, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And you see a lot of that where each instrument has their part, you know? Um, Each instrument is doing what it's supposed to do to make the song and to make the song move forward, Mm -hmm. you know? At the time when this came out, there was some criticism from someone that... um, you know that they never say what the good news is. Remember, I mentioned sure. you know previously that evangelicals like to have their answers easy, uh-huh. and he doesn't say he's. Just, I've got good news for you. Yeah, you know, I've yeah. got you know it's coming over the wire. It's good news too. You uh-huh. know. He doesn't actually say what the good news is. Right. Whether this was hopes of it being an MCA crossover. Sure. And uh, I got to tell you, some of these songs are radio ready. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I remember a little bit of criticism for that. Um, Anything else or can we move on to Because I Care?
1: No, I think I'm all set.
0: you, but this song screams Foreigner to me. Yes. Do you, do you feel and hear the Foreigner influence? Yes,
1: absolutely. You
0: know, uh, kind of a cold as ice almost feel to it. Yep. Um, it's a cool mid-tempo rocker, kind yeah. of sitting back, but it's simmering. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got some intense, it's a little brooding intensity, if you will. Yep. I might want to use that more later on. There's a sure. song that's more brooding, but you uh-huh. get that sort of... You know, it's not a all out like the first one. Right. But there's a sense there that, that there's this power underneath this band, you know. Mm-hmm. Other interesting thing I'm gonna say on this is I talked already about Jerry Gaston. I was thinking as I was listening to this, and, and, and as you know, you know, we listened to this album multiple times mm-hmm. getting ready for this, right? And so you really start listening carefully. Mm-hmm. He does not play a chord through the entire song. Interesting. It's all lines and and accents and so forth and i was like this song would be a study for anybody who's trying to figure out how do i play electric guitar in a worship band Mm. when everybody else is already doing the rhythm parts right you know besides
1: just being atmospheric right yeah yeah
0: actually doing some lines Yeah, yeah yeah you know um, and so I think that's really, it's really cool. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's really, really interesting part. And also we start to hear a little bit of synthesizer come in at this time. Yeah. Um, there'll be some, we'll get a synth line a little bit later on mm-hmm. as well. I'm pretty sure from my knowledge that he's using the Prophet five, um, which was a keyboard by sequential circuits. Okay. One of the early polyphonic keyboards <laughs> and it's, it's just an absolute work of art today yeah. you know sure. type thing where if you were to find one and buy one you would pay you know big bucks gotcha. you know um and uh we'll come back there's i'm pretty sure i grabbed a clip that actually highlights Has that what issue. that does yeah. yeah sure so what's your thoughts um because i care
1: yeah again it's just it's just fun listening I don't want to say easy listening because that gives it the wrong connotation but it's easy listening it's just something i could put on in the background and do homework
0: Okay. Or, you yeah.
1: know, have friends over or play a board game. You know, it's just really nice background music. Mm-hmm.
0: It's a song you don't have to listen to closely,
1: although yeah. I think it
0: rewards you when you do.
1: I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Um, at the same time, I don't I don't know if there's a whole lot that jumps out and grabs you in this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It rewards the listener uh, who really dives into it. But I think... You know, for me, you know, talking about like CDs, I think I probably would have skipped this song. You know, we talked about the last song. It had this really, uh, really singable hook of a chorus You know, that was part of what made it really fun to listen to and a song that really jumps out and grabs you. This song really doesn't do that. I really like it. I think it's got a really cool feel to it. and I think that shows some of the diversity of the band that they can do really good music in
0: these adjacent Mm -hmm. styles like Mm -hmm. that. Well, let's move on to Don't Let the Sun Go Down.
1: song just sounds like the best jam song
0: okay
1: you know i think of like our friend matt from our old church uh drummer you know just playing you know bass drums and and electric and just how fun this song would be just to play just really riff off each other i love how the drummer does those cymbal hits on Mm -hmm. those different chord Mm -hmm. changes it's just so perfect Mm -hmm. like the first song very singable chorus um, it has that really nice hook sound. Everything is so tight mm. and together. Uh, they're just hitting all these different chords, um, really right on the nose. I really like the breakdown that you get in there because I think it helps show off some of the some of the real skills. A lot of these musicians, like I said, with the last song, you know, sometimes. I think that can be lost in an album that's very vocally dominated Okay. Um, because you can really just spend time listening to the vocals and miss a lot of these cool things that the drums and the and the guitars, piano is really doing. So I really appreciate this song and really how I think it accents some of the parts I think is a little too hidden in some other
0: songs yeah we mentioned already once uh, Jerry Gaston and so now for the drummer Louis Weaver so right. Louis Weaver would become famous with Petra I mean right. he was in Petra forever yeah this is pre Petra okay young guy you well, know pre when he was in Petra pre when he was in Petra right. sorry yes Um. you know young guy and he's touring with fireworks uh-huh. and out of fireworks gets the Petra gig yeah. you know uh, and interestingly, he records an album for both bands in the same year. Oh, does he? Yes. Yeah, so, because uh, this is the same year that More Power to You comes out, and oh. Louis Weaver plays on that too. Sure. Louis Weaver is never going to be mistaken for Neil Peart, right? right? Yeah. But he is solid. Yes. He is a solid drummer. He's just right in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we use that term a lot, but it's just true. You know, right. with great drummers. Mm-hmm. Um, some ways he reminds me of Steve Smith from Journey. He just knows where to play, but also knows you know how to be um, driving that beat. And he has some nice little fills. His fills are never terribly complicated. They're right. not something you would study as a drummer and go, wow, you know, this sure. is amazing. But they're, I think, they're just good, solid. Yeah. Solid beats. I also really like the breakdown part of this song because it shows the arrangement yeah. that went into this. Now, in years past, we list those first two albums, Marty McCall was very much that staccato eighth note piano player, mm-hmm. right? But what's happened here is, again, he's he's worked into what does it mean to be a band. Yeah. So instead of feeling like he has to get all of those things in, mm-hmm. he now has a band. Yeah. So he's doing that eighth note piano and then you get these hits yeah. with the whole band right. you know and then the build up going into the glissando yeah. on the piano you know it's just it's a really great little piece right. again where it's all the pieces of the band coming together to really mm-hmm. make that song i hate to say it's a fun song because you know, it's definitely a rocking song. Yeah. He says, don't let the sun go down about 20 million times. Sure. So you definitely know what the song is about. Uh-huh. One last question. Um, some people feel that Marty's vibrato can get out of control. Yeah. Do you get any of that feeling? I like it, but I am sympathetic to people who maybe don't like it as much.
1: I feel like vocals on this album are... You know, he's really hitting solid notes. He's definitely knows what he's doing and knows where to place it, you know, singing as a band. Um, but he has more of that folky texture mm-hmm. that Larry Norman did so well, mm-hmm. you know. And it's nice to have a vocalist. You know, I know how we talked with Larry Norman. It's like, okay, you know, he sings like this guy I know. I think you get that a little bit with uh, vocals on this album where, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I could sing that. Or, yeah, I know somebody else who could sing that. But at the same time... That's not to say it's not done well. I think it's done extremely well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I do think it has more of that folky texture to it. I don't think it gets to be annoying. Right. There are definitely singers who have an annoying amount of vibrato. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't put him in that category.
0: I think there are just times where he... And I think it's probably doing it for effect because he is a trained vocalist. Yeah. But there are times, I think, where he's trying to emphasize things a little bit more, trying to make it a little more earnest or something. Yeah, and
1: I think think we get songs later on this album where that shows up a bit more, too.
0: All right, back in business. to me has a little bit of dire straits feel to it you know Salton's a swing you know a little bit of that uh punchy fun little guitar line yeah um you know i i enjoy that as a guitar player it's not necessarily the style i play but i find it fun to listen to you Mm -hmm. know and it definitely has a very upbeat um, up tempo feel to it i also like when you listen to it we caught just at the end of there that when they come back around to the intro right Uh, Now the guitar player is doing chords Mm. instead of doing those runs and lines. Sure. Um, So, you know, some variety, some things moving the song forward.
1: To be honest, it's a little hokey for me. It reminds me a lot of some songs on Servant albums that I would also skip. I don't know if it's just the feel of it. I do agree it's fun. I think it's fun to listen to it. It's not bad enough that I would, you know, if I was listening on a a record, I would get up and move the needle. I I don't hate it. (laughs) not trying to say that. I think a lot of it uh, comes from the drums. I think the drums is just doing a simple rhythm. Mm -hmm. It's not really driving the beat a whole lot more. Maybe a little too folky, a little too 70s. Not sure what it is, but it's just, it's it's not the texture palette that I'm really looking for. Okay. and, And classic Christian rock.
0: And it does have some of that that folk rock feel to it. I mean, yeah. you could hear this easily played on you know acoustic guitar, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and sung. Um, we'll probably disagree a little bit, and I don't yeah. know how much of that for me is coming out of nostalgia, yeah. you know. But that's um, why this
1: is fun, you yeah, know. But the uh,
0: I would also say you know, this is probably not going to be on my showcase selection either. Sure. So. Okay. Uh, sightseeing at night.
1: So, would you call this a ballad?
0: It's not a ballad, but it's soft rock. Yeah. You know? Yeah,
1: it's a, another down song mm-hmm, on the mm-hmm. album. Um, I think it's nice. Mm-hmm. It's, again, in that category. Of, it's not easy listening. But, yeah, you just kind of have it on in the background. It's, 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 it's the nice. most
0: easy listening on this, is the most of this easy album,
1: thing. yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually really liked... And we get into, uh, it's not quite a solo section. I mean, I guess it's a solo section. But the focus is more on the band rather than mm-hmm. any individual mm-hmm. solos. Whereas I really like, that's probably my favorite part of the song. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I'm i not a piano player. I'm not a keyboard player. But I think I could have done without the little piano breaks in the chorus. uh uh-huh. okay. For me, it feels like that ruins the groove of okay. the song. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have a groove, and then we're stopping. And we have a groove, and we're stopping. I like the break because he cuts out and lets the groove happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think they have a great groove. I want to hear more of the groove. I think it's okay. I think it's great. It has a lot of great parts to it. Again, very fun. It's not totally crazy about some of the arranging
0: parts of it. Going back to 12-year-old self, you know, this was definitely not a favorite track of mine at the time. I would still say this is not a great album turner, right? Because here we are at the end of side one, Uh so I question the placement here. Yeah. I think maybe put it as a penultimate song or something, maybe, you know. Um, and then close out with Don't Let the Sun Go Down or That's something like that. That's an album yeah. The other thing is I'm, I always remember thinking that I wanted the title track mm-hmm. to be a great song, Yeah. right? So if you're naming this album off of Sightseeing at Night, well, that ought to be a great song. Right. And then I get to it, and I'm like, ah, you know. Yeah. Now, 40 years later, uh-huh. um, I appreciate it more, Sure. and I like, I think, exactly the same parts you do. And I yeah. really... Because what I wanted to play mm-hmm. was the last 90 seconds of the song, yeah. which is the just the band grooving, yeah. you know? And you even have some vocalizing by uh, mm. Marty McCall in there. Yeah. But it's like, well, do you do the excerpt with no singing at all? You <laughs> right. know? So I tried to get enough so you get the whole feel. Right. One of the things that I think is great in this is, and again, is it flashy? Absolutely not. But Louis Weaver's playing is just great. It's just yeah. solid, it's you know? Pocket and um some nice little fills are they again they're not complicated fills but they're the right fills they're mm-hmm. the right fills at the right time um, and this would be one that i would say you know if you're a a new drummer yeah. put on a song like this and yeah. learn to play along with this song mm-hmm. and learn these just rudimentary fills yeah. that you've got to know is sure. you're going to play in a band you've got to mm-hmm. know these tom fills you got to mm-hmm. know this snare fill you know etc the other thing, and I don't know if we can start a campaign, bring back the ride symbol. Yeah. You'll never hear ride symbol anymore. Yeah. I love the offbeat yes. hits on the ride. Yes. It's like my favorite part of the song, you know. Yeah. So as I listen to it, and of course, especially as we listen to it over and mm-hmm. over and over again, getting ready and really listening, going, okay, what do I like? Yeah. And I like that part. You know, like that yeah. section.
1: That's one thing I, I noticed playing with a lot of drummers, especially on you know worship bands and stuff. And I noticed a lot of drummers use the ride as just another crash symbol.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Um, You know, I just want a splashier sound, I want a bigger sound. Yeah, you can use it for that. But especially, you know, Louis is able to just get that that nice anvil sound.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, you know, it, it's it, really when high pitched, hitting yeah. right up on the bell of that ride mm-hmm. is what that is. He just and, does that so well, and it's so and, good. I'm, I'm yep. such a sucker for Perfect. it. Perfect. So, yep.
1: yeah, any song on this album that has lots of that. I've noticed that
0: I really like. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Now we flip it over and go to Honorable Man. honorable man coming to you today from fireworks (laughs) Uh, sometimes uh and i'm only going to point it out i think this one time there's other times on this album where marty has interesting pronunciation of words Uh whether it's to make it fit in with his melody but yes this is honorable man not honorable man but honorable yeah. Um, and uh, so that always made us laugh growing up. All in good fun. All yes. Good fun. I do like this song from the direction you're going. I don't know if you'll find that it doesn't go anywhere. Mm. But to me, it's, a, it's again, it's a good solid rock song. Yeah. Hard rock? No, but it's a good rock song. Yeah. Good guitars on it. Some interesting guitar lines. Mm-hmm. There is actually a guitar solo-ish on this song, which we yeah. don't get to. I like it. I think it's a good song for side two.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think... <laughs> You know, we're finding our, our keyword is fun for this album. You know, it, it, it is just a fun song to put on. Uh, when you listen to this album later, and, and I you know, sincerely hope you do, uh, you'll just be in for a fun time. Um, so I don't have a whole lot to say, I, you know, I, as you hinted. I think it doesn't develop a whole lot more. Mm. And I think that's something I would have liked to see more of is each song, with a few exceptions, each song feels like a snapshot. It's like, okay, okay, this song is going to have this feel, and this bit, and this tempo, and this, you know, and the whole song kind of sits right there. Okay. And then there's a different song, and it sits in a different feel, and a different, you know, and there's not a whole lot of development within songs, and I would have liked to have seen more of that. Right. Um, I think each song is good, and again, I I like this. I don't have anything bad to say Mm -hmm. about this song. I don't think it necessarily grabs me, the way that some, some of the other songs have, but... Yeah, I think it's fun. It's good listening. It's a good time.
0: Sure. If you do look for this, this, this is not available on Spotify, yep. um, iHeartRadio, wherever you like to listen to your music. You got to pull this up on on um, YouTube. Yeah. So, um, if you do want to go find it there, that's where you're going to find it. Or you know, do a deep dive and find the vinyl. Right. right. So. That would be my other recommendation. Now, I have a question for you before we move on to confrontation, okay? Because you, you know, you've kind of talked about you know these songs; they don't necessarily develop. My feeling, however, is that these songs do hang together fairly well. Mm-hmm. In other words, I think they they exist in the same sort of universe. I of would, rock, ag- I would agree. You know?
1: you know, and it's it's not. like I said in our Larry Norman episode, you know, I don't feel like we have three different albums. No, that.
0: yeah, I think it all it all has a similar sonic feel. You yes. have a very consistent guitar sound. Right. Um, either clean or distorted, but it's mm-hmm. not like, you know, 10 different guitar sounds. It's pretty much piano-driven, right. you know, with some synthesizer mm-hmm. in there. The drum sound, I think it's a great drum sound, by the way. Yeah. We haven't talked at all about Dave Kerfman, the bass guitar, um, and I... I think we have some good bass I mean he has some really good bass playing so I, I'm just not yeah, sure what I think, album I think maybe No Strings is going to show off his bass playing
1: yeah like I think so, that's just some of the production it just is unfortunately buried gets lost a, a little in bit. a lot of these um, but yeah, yeah. so it is okay
0: Confrontation probably my favorite track alright he
2: was the leader of a legion of
1: I think this song is an easy favorite. It has a lot of the things we've been talking about so far, especially the drumming. I think it's just so fantastic on this album. We talked about the production quality uh, of the, the drum set, and I just love that kick sound that, that he's got. That beat
0: is just on fire. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I just love it. He's right where he needs to be. Again, love that anvil sound uh, on the ride cymbal. This song just, it grooves. It just moves along. I don't know if this is my favorite song. It's definitely up there for okay. me. For sure.
0: One of the things I think that uh, Marty McCall can do really well with his voice is to portray urgency. Yes. And you get that, you know, same thing with Don't Let the Sun Go Down. You just yeah. get that sense that, you know, he's singing about something important, yeah. you know, and, and it's the fall of Satan. You know, that's what mm-hmm. he's singing about there. Uh, even he throws it, he was cruising for a hell of a fight, uh-huh. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you weren't hearing that on too many Christian albums sure. at the time. Sure. And I remember uh, sort of that guilty pleasure of of enjoying this song with a swear word in it, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, not a lot to say about it. I just think it's a good song. It's a solid song. Yeah. We just caught a little bit of that breakdown. Yeah. Which I think some of those songs were that you don't like as well is missing that, yeah. that little bit of a breakdown that then can launch back into yes. the chorus to end out the song or something. Yeah,
1: and I know that was one thing, we, you know, last episode talking about Striper. as one thing on Tell With The Devil I think they do so well mm-hmm. is um, songs that can bring it up, bring the dynamic down and then come back up and right, dynamic yeah. um, that's just something I, I love to see so much and when it happens I, th- I think it's fantastic right you know? right
0: we ready for Broadway Mary?
2: I am we're ready she used to be
0: This song has not been a favorite of mine. Um, you know, I think it's okay song. Yeah. You're singing about somebody who's a crazy rock and roller, mm-hmm. pink platforms, and purple hair, but yet this doesn't sound like a punk no. song or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like the subject matter doesn't necessarily fit the music. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of that Nashville plucking guitar thing going on, which is a, yeah. a little bit of an odd choice, for. although I think it's good playing. Yeah. We also have some more of his creative pronunciations. Yeah. So, you know, um, she'll tell you that Jesus is the way. Yeah. Almost sounds like he's saying she'll tell you that Jesus isn't the way. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not listening, because he's trying to get a second syllable out right. of the word is. Mm-hmm. Is the way. You yeah. Know. Overall, like his lyrics. Yeah. This one, this song sounds a little rushed to me. Does he write his own lyrics? Yeah. Yep. yep yeah. Yep. Okay. Pretty much, pretty much everything is Marty McCall. Okay. You know, um, Jerry wrote a few things with him, but... For the most part, everything is Marty McCall. Okay.
1: Yeah. We'll go, like, talking about the punk thing, you you do have a little bit of that. A little, you know? I guess, a tiny bit of pogo. You punk notice feel. that? Pump, pump, Pum. pump, pump, pump. Yeah. Yeah. Pump. yeah. You know, yeah a little bit. That, that is punk. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, the overall, f- the drums might be the only punk part. That might be, yeah. Um, he does yeah. go
0: to more of a, a synth sound on the keyboard. Yeah. You know, which yeah. would be keeping with that new wave punk feel, you yeah. know, Devo, etc. Mm-hmm. you know, but you know, go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, you're good. I, I like this one
0: better than back in business.
1: Okay. Um, but it has a similar feel to me. It feels a little hokey. Um, it's not quite rock enough mm-hmm. for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, I don't have anything bad to say. I would listen to it. I mean, I have listened to it, but yeah, I would listen to it. I think it's fun. I think it's enjoyable. It just doesn't really shine. Mm-hmm. I think it, in the same way that a lot of other songs this album do.
0: I think it's placed in the right place, right, yes. middle of side two, right you you're just listening, you're not gonna right. judge the whole album for this, you know yeah. it's a filler song, right, um, it's better than a lot of other filler songs oh, sure. from other albums, yeah, you know, so, and I
1: think uh, that's something we'll talk more about later, but, like you say, the filler songs yeah the the skippable songs in this song, I would still take over a lot of other songs, sure, being yeah. <laughs> sure. put out at the yeah. same time,
0: all right. No strings.
1: This is your song for your bass players. Uh, you bass players out there, you've been waiting for your <laughs> chance uh, to hear what hear what he can do. Uh, yeah, I think this is your song. It's grooving. It's uh, I don't not sure if I quite go, go so far to say funky, but uh, it's fun. It's it, it's a good bass line. You can tell he's really in the groove, really having fun. Um, I'm not a huge synth person myself, um, so I you know don't have a ton of appreciation for those parts. But I think the bass is the redeeming factor in this song. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it, it, it's sort of another mid-tempo, easy listening song. Uh, but I think the bass makes it fun. Definitely makes it worth listening to. Um,
0: and, yeah. You keep, yeah, you keep saying easy listening. I think you mean more background music. Yeah. Because easy listening, you think, know, you think know. Kenny G. Right. And this is not Kenny G. I'm not G. trying to get to that. Yeah, yeah. It's just, <laughs>
1: I'm going to put this on the background while yeah. we're doing something else. Yes, yeah, homework yeah. music.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it does have a really good groove. Mm-hmm. This is the shortest song on yeah. the album, and I think it could have been developed a little bit more. You mm-hmm. know, maybe comp a little more with it. You know, right? Um, but yeah, I, I do like this song. Yeah. I do think it was again. If this was potentially going to be put out into the market, uh-huh. um, when you think about other things in '82, you know, this could have been a hit. Maybe a little more development on it. But I think the groove is really strong on it, and again, it has a really singable chorus. It does no strings. Oh yeah, and that's maybe
1: again that's the thing. You know, I'm a bass player, I'm not a keyboard player, where I appreciate that break, and I didn't appreciate
0: the piano break before. Well, and I put in that uh, that synth part because I wanted to kind of highlight that profit, and I don't know, you know, this is coming from a record, right, that has been digitized Uh and then put on the podcast. And whether you're going to pick up on what's going on with the envelope filter and all that, you can hear it a little bit, but not quite like when you drop the needle on Uh it. So the the profit... Um, The Prophet 5, as we mentioned before, this is an early polyphonic synthesizer. Yeah. For those who don't know, polyphonic means you can play more than one note at a time. All the moogs and things Mm -hmm. like that that Yes was using, those were all one note at a time. You could do lines. Uh Uh-huh. Um, But you couldn't play chords. You couldn't do things like this. And everything on it pretty much was knobs. Okay. And it had, you know, I don't remember anymore. My brother had one. Keith had one. You have keys, too. You have keys, Keys. right. But all your your controls are your knobs. It's not all digital. Sure. It's it's all analog settings. Okay. So these analog synthesizers and you would dial in and if i remember right the owner's manual to this thing was like 60 70 pages sure. <laughs> because you really had to learn yeah what these things do yeah. you know and it was a real art form mm-hmm. to get these sounds and dial in these sounds yeah. and so you know while this this line is going on there are these different filters that are that are changing the sound and so forth and so it's a little bit of history in terms of um, you know, kind of the early synthesizers, and I would say what we found as we've gone to digital, because the DX7 became the big thing that came out after that, Okay, and everyone was just in love with the DX7, and mostly because it was so easy to use compared to these extremely complicated synthesizers, the Moog, the Prophet, Yeah, but we lost a lot of the different filters and things that they could do, you know. And um, so, anyways, I pine for the Halcyon days uh-huh. of those synthesizer sounds from the early '80s. They, sure. So, um, and they're very unique. They're yeah. dated, uh-huh. but they're they're kind of fun and cool. Yeah. And now we come to the last track, Incognito. Here we go. Incognito. Struggled to find what part of this track to play mm. because to me this song even though it kind of stays with that same or use this term i used earlier that uh-huh. brooding intensity right yeah. it stays with that feel but it takes you on this journey yeah. you know and it starts out with this very slow moving melody line yeah. in the in the verses you mm-hmm. know and then it it crescendos without necessarily getting louder Mm -hmm. into this chorus and then it pulls back where you get that very synthesized but that synthesized harpsichord Mm -hmm. sound you know and that was where you know we talk about the DX7 well the DX7 had a much more believable harpsichord sound you know Um, where this definitely sounds like a synthesized harpsichord, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you come back the song to me, kind of this slow burn, you know, I think is the best way to explain it. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to do was I decided to pick that section where basically he uses his vocals as a solo, yeah, you know, and still try and get the different pieces in Mm -hmm. there. I've always liked this song. I think my appreciation has grown even more as I just find it a really fascinating song. Yeah. Um, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of the key points, uh, a lot of the key things to remember in this song. You know, it's funny. You know, I keep talking about songs that don't develop. Well, here it is. You know, you want the song that really develops, really goes places, you know, and uh, it's certainly the longest song yeah. on the album. Yeah, almost five and a half minutes. Yeah, so, and I really like that, that smoldering intensity you talk about. Yeah, it. I think you're right with the vocals. That's mm-hmm. what he just does. He creates that urgency by just being on top of where, where mm-hmm. it really needs mm-hmm. to be. So... I do struggle with this song a little bit, you know, I think, again, just not being as much of a vocalist, um, I would have liked to have seen more solos from other instruments. Yeah. I think especially towards the end of the song where we just kind of have this really awesome groove. I love the groove, Then he's just kind of vocalizing over top of it. And I thought it was nice for about 30 seconds. Mm Mm-hmm. I like, you know, it goes on for about two and a half minutes. <laughs> no.
0: Yeah, because it comes back and he does more. It, of it comes back the end. and he does more towards
1: the end. Yeah, and so I think the first time was fine. The second time, give me a blues guitar solo.
0: Yeah, and, G- and give me a drum solo. Give me a synth solo. You know, that's... maybe with another guitar player. Yeah, you might have a kind of a soaring, uh-huh. slow but really meaty guitar yeah. solo. You know, yeah. Um, possibly. Yeah, but I would
1: have liked to have seen a little bit more flashiness, yeah. a, a little bit more virtuosity for some different instruments besides just the vocals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and i know way back you know you we were talking about you know fireworks with you know with marty you know and uh, really putting him forward and to me i think you could have done that with this song with this album too you know it feels like he is the spotlighted musician even though there's a lot of other great, amazing musicians mm-hmm. on this album.
0: I would say he is the virtuoso. Yeah. You know, instrumentally, right? right? And then it's a solid band. Yeah. Now I think this is the best band effort. Yeah. Jerry is a really good rhythm guitar player. Yeah. Who can play really tasteful and nice Leads to compliment, but he's not right. a great lead player. You know, yeah. The bass player is solid. Mm-hmm. There's no complaints at all from what he's playing. Great right. note selection. Louis is the drummer of the biggest Christian rock band of the '80s. Certainly. Right? Yeah. You know, he wasn't gonna be doing Robert Sweet drumming. He yeah. wasn't gonna be you know doing uh, Joe English drumming. Right. But he knew how to play great drumming. Yeah. Underneath. Mm-hmm. really good musicians right and that's what he does well you mm-hmm. know so yeah you have a great band effort but you don't have these moments that are going to really showcase right the different instruments yeah. you know along with that I'd say Marty McCall is a very good piano player but he's not a solo piano player yeah you're not going to pick up and go oh here's an album of Marty McCall playing piano yeah and listen to that, right. you know, and not that he's not very good at what he does, mm-hmm. it's just that yeah. what he brings to the table are the vocals, right, so
1: you know, and I um you know I think of like my brother my brother-in-law Brendan, you know, he loves Toto.
0: Mm-hmm. Toto's also
1: a band made up of these session musicians who are very good at what they do. You know the song everybody knows, you know Africa. Mm-hmm. As far as I can remember, there's not one instrument that stands head and shoulders above the rest as the most important instrument throughout the whole song. But you have a group that's extremely tight. Yeah, and there are other Toto songs that have incredible solos I was say, and stuff like that. There yeah. are other
0: ones where
1: they can where and, you
0: go, holy cow!
1: But I think so. where Toto for the most part, really shines is how tight they are. And I think that's what Fireworks has going for Mm -hmm. them, is they can just be so tight and, as a band, just have such a
0: good sound. And, you know, uh, um, not that we're going to start talking about Toto now, but, you know, Steve Lukather, uh, in addition to being a founding member of Toto, has Mm -hmm. played on thousands of albums. Right. Albums, songs that you will never know he played on Uh because he was playing the part required for that song. Sure. Now, there are times, uh, how can you live, with the Imperials, where you go, that's Steve Lukather playing guitar. Sure. You sure. know, it, no doubt about it, that is him. Because yeah. uh, he has a very unique voicing to his guitar. Yeah. But he also knows how to just sit where he needs to sit yeah so one last thought lyrically before we move on to the display case selections we've talked about his odd phrasing of words at times Uh and he has this nice little line where he says only a presidential veto could coerce you to confess this well-hidden holiness incognito Vetoes do not coerce anybody to do anything. No, it's actually the exact opposite. Exact opposite. Yeah. In, only a presidential veto could stop you from confessing. You know? Right. So it works beautifully yeah. in terms of the right notes, the right tones, etc., ah. for that vocal line. Yeah. But it actually doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I love that line in the song. Yeah. And I also Laugh at that line in the song yeah. at the same time. Sure. So, um, display case selections. Why don't you go first? Sure. I think you gotta have. I got news for you. Okay. It's such
1: a fun opener. Um. It's yeah, just right where you want it to be. And um, don't let the sun go down. I think that's my favorite song. Okay. On the album, I just it just cooks. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely could listen to that. Uh, could stand because when I think of a display case, it's not just favorite songs in the album but like which ones am i putting head and shoulders that can stand on par Mm -hmm. with the rest of my christian rock collection sure um and i I think it's absolutely right up there yeah if
0: you're making a mixtape that fits it fits with so many other great rock songs yeah
1: Um, i think confrontation's up there Uh for sure i don't think incognito makes it
0: okay it's
1: that's an honorable mention Mm -hmm. if i had to pick four that would be number four okay um but i think it's just slow enough it's just not flashy enough. Um, when I really want Christian rock, I want something just a little bit heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like it. Certainly if I was making a playlist, you know, a best. A, if I was making a Best of Fireworks CD, mm-hmm. it would be on there. Sure. Yeah. For yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But my display case, I think, yeah, just those three. I got news for you: don't let Sun go down and confrontation.
0: We're pretty much in line here, yeah. You know, and and I'm like, do I bump something just so we're not the just same?
1: We're not the same,
0: you know. And and those those are my my three. And then I'm gonna put Incognito yeah. in because okay. I'm waiting for that song. Yeah, all right, I'm listening to all of side two. Yeah. Because I want to get to Incognito. Yeah. Otherwise, I might bail on Broadway Mary and go. Sure. Let's, let's listen to the next album. It's like, uh-huh. No, I want to get to Incognito yeah. because I do enjoy that song quite a bit. Yeah, La- I've been doing top shelf. So, what is my top shelf? Probably, I got news for you in Confrontation, and I yeah. like Don't Let the Sun Go Down too. Yeah. We've talked before about like covering a song. I'd love to uh-huh. cover Confrontation. Yeah, you know, and beef it up a little bit more because uh-huh. it's it's there. I could hear that with a really heavy, meaty guitar. Right. You know. Yeah. Whereas, don't let the sun go down. I don't know what I would do to really improve sure. What, it. Sure. Would
1: you do anything differently? Right. Yeah. You know. I think and, maybe uh, that's why it's my favorite. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not a keyboard player, so <laughs> sure. you know.
0: But. Um, so I think we're going to pretty much lay yeah. right down the same Same there. The difference may be in on our appreciation of the filler tracks. Mine might yeah. be a little bit more than yours.
1: Sure. So, Some so. of those might make your best of Fireworks CD. Sure.
0: They no, would, certainly. Yeah. 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 Yep. I'm, I'm going to throw a few. I'm going to definitely throw in no strings. Yeah. And um, um, maybe even back in business. Yeah. You know. Because I do like it. It's, it's, it's a, fun. It's a punchy fun for that era. Song.
1: It's fun, especially yeah, putting it on the same pad with like Imperials and mm-hmm, Servant. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those early Whiteheart. Um, yeah, I, I feel how it fits.
0: And again, keep in mind in '82 there wasn't much for real Christian rock. Sure, yeah. you know. So Servant, Petra, Res Band, Jerusalem, Daniel Band. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a lot for this kind of really good Rocky stuff. Most of the stuff was very middle of the road. Right. You know, um, the sort of thing where you could play for your friends and they would go, Oh, uh-huh. I didn't know, you know, cause a lot of them thought Christian rock was gospel music. Sure. You know, kind of like Holy rolling sort of stuff. Uh huh. And, um, so you could play for them and go, wow. Yeah. Okay. This yeah. is good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as we said, you know, some of these songs you could, you could tell someone it was a foreigner song or yeah. you could tell them, you know, it was a stick song, mm-hmm. or it was, a, or, and they might go, okay. Yeah. You know, they might believe you. So rock scale. So, I, I'm gonna
1: qualify it, mm-hmm. but um, I'm gonna call this sandstone. Really? So, uh, so here's why. Okay. Here's why. So. All right. I think for a lot of it, it's just that this is just fun music. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a number of the songs don't have a ton of substance behind them. You know, and, and I think of sandstone, I, think I can hold it and I can kind of crush it in my hand. I might really like it. It might look really pretty. It's not a ton there. However. You know, I think of sandstone beyond the beach. And sand, you you leave it out in the sun for a while. It can get pretty hot. Okay. I think you have a few... Just burning songs okay, on this album, okay, and okay, there's a few okay. little bit. Yeah, there's certainly some songs that are absolutely just burning intensity that you might not be expecting. You know, and the same feeling of you get to the beach and it's you know seventy degrees and you take off your sandals and you burn your feet. On okay, tape. okay. Um. So, and I know we talk about song placement sometimes. You know, I wonder if you had you know kind of sifted these songs. You played some some of the more filler songs, and then you know played some of those first then i think songs like don't let the sun go down would shock you mm-hmm. i think starting with i got news for you was so important because that is what persuades you no really this is a rock album
0: <laughs> we mm-hmm. promise
1: i didn't think it stands out. i mean that in the best of ways i do like this album mm-hmm. a
0: lot that's right i it's definitely much softer than i would put it yeah because um, i would say everything on here you know scene at night is soft rock yeah you know um, but everything else is definitely rock. Yeah, pop rock at times, right. you know. But it's it's all definitely within the rock arena. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm definitely still in that granite. You know, this okay. is this is a building block album. This is yeah. a solid album with some real rocking tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some songs which i've you know, which almost are igneous, yeah. you know it's just songs. the songs on fire, yeah, you know, this is just yeah. fantastic. I don't want to go conglomerate because for me, this album does hang together. it does if it's conglomerate, then it's kind of like what is this? It feels like a couple this albums. this yeah. is you know, this is coming from a different universe, right. where everything belongs in the same universe, for everything, sure. it's the same the same feel, the same sound. Um, so, you know, for me, uh, that's where I'm going. You know, I might try to convince you that maybe this is limestone instead of sandstone. <laughs> because, if you know, if I throw an Amy Grant album at you, it's just going to kind of disintegrate upon impact. If sure. I throw this album at you, you're going to go, ow, yeah, stop yeah, yeah, throwing yeah, things okay. at me, that hurts. I mean, it's, it is sandstone,
1: it's not a clump of sand. Okay. You know, you get <laughs> a
0: little bit of grit. But... Uh, anyways. Yeah. So, is this going to make your collection? <sighs> So here's the
1: thing. I think this is not a must-have.
0: Okay. However,
1: I think a lot of people are going to want it anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like we said, you know, it's very hard to find on a lot of streaming services. I'm not sure if you can even find it on CD somewhere. Probably. Somebody's done it. I've never seen it. I've never seen it on CD. You know. So if you do want to listen to it, you're going to have to find it on vinyl. So I think that's a big part of it. If you really like Petra, you know, and really like Louis Weaver... Then I think this is going to be right in line. You know, some of these other bands that we, we've mentioned, if you like them, you will enjoy this album. I don't think anyone who buys this album would be disappointed with it. Mm-hmm. Would I spend fifty bucks to get this album? Probably I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. I so I would not consider it a must-have. However, I'm putting it on my wish list. Okay. You okay. know, if I if, if I, I found it for ten bucks, if
0: I see it somewhere, I. I'm welcome to get it for you.
1: Yeah. You know, if I open this on Christmas morning, I'm like, oh, great.
0: I'm happy to have it. There's my compromise. Okay. It's definitely in the collection for me. And there's a couple reasons why I'm going to say it Yeah. is. First of all... Uh, I do think it's Fireworks' best album. Okay. From that, if you're going to have a Fireworks album, I think you have this one. If you're a rock fan, you're sure. going to have a Fireworks album, you're going to have this one. You know, that it kind of fits within kind of this story. Like if you're going to have one, which yeah. one do you have, you know, type mm-hmm. thing. You know, if you're going to have one Striper album, which, which one, one do you one have, have, Yeah, yeah you know, type yeah. thing like that. Fireworks was part of the early Christian rock history. So they start in 77. Sure. Right? Um, and so 77, you know, this is early, I mean, Petra's been out for a while, but only their second album at that point, you right. know, Rez hasn't even put their first album out yet. Yeah. Right. Jerusalem hasn't come out yet. Daniel mm-hmm. Band hasn't come out yet. Right. So, you know, this is an early time period. Yeah. They're ending their career in 1982. Sure. Before White Hart stuff are even starting, yeah. you know, so it's kind of this period where it's like, mm-hmm. this is really kind of that early stuff. Yeah. Uh, that would then pave the way for other things, you right. know, to do. And um, I would say maybe, with the exception of um, Angel of Light and Chameleon, uh-huh. you know, the, Petra's not doing a lot of in-your-face hard rock guitar, distorted mm-hmm. guitar. You know, that was a, yeah. that was that thing that people were kind of afraid of. That yeah. are people going to accept that? You know, yeah. and so they bury it. And and this has it.
1: No, I think this mm-hmm. album's harder than Wash is Wider Than.
0: Def- definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah you
1: don't no. get any, uh, the color song. No. You know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, comings song came off of, uh, Never Say Die. Oh, but, sure. But, sure. Yeah. But yeah. You know, Same idea. Yeah, yeah. Yahweh Love. You know, yeah. 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 Um, so, and then from this idea of this album that has young Louis Weaver. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of cool. It's very cool. You know? Yeah. So you've got this little piece of history. Yeah. And I think it's a really good album. Yeah. You know? So to me, it, it kind of fits in there. That I, I would say, get it, you know. Yeah. And like you said, I, I don't I've never seen this on CD. Sure. It's probably one of those that MCA owns it, mm-hmm. and MCA doesn't even know that they own it. Sure. And Definitely. they have no interest in putting out, you know, the recordings. Uh-huh. And they're not big enough that Gerder is not going to say, "Hey, let's go buy these." Yeah. And so put out a limited release, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think from those perspectives. You know, you definitely got something. Um, it's a little unique. Um, yeah. And by the way, if I had two of these, I definitely would put this up as an album art. It's got really—it's very cool, very really striking sharp. album album art on it. Yeah. So. Well, David, where are we going next?
1: We are going to Petra's On Fire. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll talk more about this later. Um, but just On Fire for me was one of the first Petra albums that I really fell in love with. Um, so, we're trying to pick you know because obviously we had to we had to do Petra eventually, mm-hmm. uh you know we discussed that early on, so which album do you do do we do one of um most well known ones ones with most hits? I decided to go with my first love in petra uh the first one that that uh, ironic but yeah. uh yes my my first one that really got me into it and got me listening to classic Petra and a lot of classic rock, so uh we'll have more to say about that next time. But yeah, that is my section.
0: I have some thoughts on what's our time period. Okay. And I was going to expand it and say, okay, anything that's 30 years old. Okay. Okay. But then I thought, well, if we're doing a vinyl collection, Mm -hmm. then we really can't do... It it becomes tough. Because this this is... So in America, this was the last Petra album on vinyl. Oh, yeah. Okay. Beyond Belief was the next one. Now, they released that on vinyl in the UK, oh, okay. but they didn't release that on vinyl in, in the United American, States. Gotcha, right? gotcha. So this really is kind of the end of vinyl, Okay. you know, with, with On Fire. So we won't be doing too much past that time period if mm-hmm. we're going to stick within the vinyl. Maybe we can move outside of vinyl once we have done every Christian rock vinyl record. I think there's a couple of those. It may take <laughs> us a while to get there, so... <laughs> All right. um, Be on the lookout for a special edition coming up, a special episode. Just going to tease that, but I'm not going to tell you too much about it. But that will be coming pretty soon. All right. You have a great day.
1: See you later. Bye.
0: The Father to Son podcast is the sole work and opinions of Jonathan and David Coates. music clips are for demonstration and educational use only, and the copyrights are not owned by either Jonathan or David, with the exceptions of the intro and outro music, which was written and performed by Jonathan Combs.